Hey everyone, listen, we have a very exciting episode in store for you. But before that, I do just want to let you know that I know this year has been crazy and we are all adjusting to our new normal during these uncertain and unprecedented times. Yes, I am here to tell you that again. But what I'm also here to tell you is that networking and job hunting looks hella different. Thankfully, your girl here is a former HR manager and recruiter, and I also used to work in social media (laughs) and training, and I've had a thousand lives. So I've decided to merge all of that together and create a five-module course called Our New Normal, How to Job Hunt and Network in 2020. So if you want to head over to jasminereadclark.com, you will find my new course there, as well as some other services that I have. And right now it is on sale. And if you follow me on Instagram, you're going to get a special coupon code where you get 50% off. Yes, 50%. I'm in a really generous mood today. Could be the champagne. All right. Enough of that. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to Office Politics, brought to you by the Revolt Career Network, formerly known as BYOB Revolt. Hey everyone, welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the place where we come clean about our industry's dirty little secrets. Now today, I really have on a dream guest. Um, I'm going to try to not fangirl out too much, keep it professional, at least in the beginning. But today I have on Callie Dollar. Um, It's a little bit of backstory. I am from Atlanta, grew up in Alpharetta, Georgia, and I spent my mornings as a high schooler listening to a radio station. And on that radio station was Jeff Dollar. He was the snarky, funny guy. um, And I followed his career and his professional life um, over the last like decade and a half or something crazy. Um, And in that time, he met Callie, his wife. She is an influencer, an executive assistant to a very famous news anchor, Um, just a positivity princess. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, Callie, I needed to think of an alliteration. Um, But more than anything, she and her husband are forces and they are starting a movement Um, all around gratitude and manifesting your dream life. And before you think it's about sage sticks and crystals, um, no, that's what I'm about. But no, they're truly about attainable positivity. So they have a podcast called The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Um, I've been a day one listener. um, And in it, they get real. They talk about everything from miscarriages to losing family members to frustrating neighbors, but they always find an upside, a silver lining, a lesson. And truly, their story is incredible. Please check them out. It's a daily show. So I listen to them every weekday morning. Um, Feels like I get a little slice of home with me since uh, I used to listen to Jeff in the morning when I was living in Atlanta. But crushing aside... (laughs) I have Callie on because she is just a fantastic role model of what it means to try your hardest, be the best you can, and understanding that um, you're going to fall down sometimes and you're going to be so hurt sometimes, but it's important to root yourself in gratitude. Um, So I just wanted to have her on and talk about how she has manifested a lot of her own accomplishments. She's just really open on Instagram and she'll talk about manifestation and the secret and we totally get into those things in today's episode. So all that said, I am so excited to bring you this episode. Let's get into it. 
Holly, thank you so much for being here. This is like a real treat since I've been following you and Jeff for literally years. I am so excited and I'm so glad that you're in the world of podcasting now because I I knew you from a different life. Yes, she guys, she knows me from social media days when I was giving her free poopery. So (laughs) (laughs) no, and like, I think what's really lovely is, you know, in the last few years, actually, me and Jeff, if anything, have really similar backgrounds, I wound up leaving um, a role that just wasn't great for me. And um, just kind of took this leap of faith. And it's led to some really beautiful blessings, including the podcast. And I know that's really how the upside got started, which was not a planned segue. But um, guys, Callie, as I've just told you, she is uh, an executive assistant to some really incredible talent at CNN. She's also a podcaster, an influencer, a Instagram stories guru. And she is pregnant with her first baby girl or first baby. So you got a lot going on, Callie. We have a little bit going on. (laughs) And I know my therapist always tells me that I need to like slow down. And then I thought with like the coronavirus stuff that maybe things would slow down and and they haven't. So I think much to her dismay, I keep like adding more things. (laughs) Um, and bringing more things to the table. And she's like, what happened to slowing down? I'm like, well, slowing down is not that fun. It's exactly. more fun to like do cool stuff. <laughs> no, absolutely. And actually, um, with everything going on, I would love to ask – or just to backtrack a little bit, The Upside is the podcast that you host with your husband, Jeff. And, you know, I can gush about it all day, but I would love for you to tell our audience just what The Upside is all about and maybe a little bit of its origin story. So The Upside happened, well, okay, <laughs> rewind to the beginning. And the beginning <laughs> is that my husband um, was fired from his dream job. And he was at the time, um, definitely the breadwinner. So it like shook us to the core that he got fired and he went through a very public like breakup with his radio station. He was worked in morning radio for 25 years and he was living his dream and got fired from what he thought was his dream job. Um, he was actually really unhappy towards the end. So it wound up when he called me to tell me he was fired, I started crying and he was like, Callie, I actually feel really at peace. Like I feel totally, totally at peace. And um, after he got fired, I kind of mentioned him because he had been pushing me to do a podcast based on the blog that I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, I don't know what I would talk about. And it's kind of boring, just me. And I don't really know. And um, so he got fired in May, I think. And in August, I was like, why don't we do something together? Like, why don't we take what you know about morning radio and what I know about, you know, connecting with an audience on Instagram? And what if we marry those two and kind of start our own show and just see what happens? Um, And we launched our show. It's called The Upside because truly that was our upside. And the goal of our show is to kind of be like, you know, like a daily 30 minute show. We talk about all sorts of different things, but we always try to look for the upside in any situation. So we don't sugarcoat it. We talk a lot about real life stuff that goes on. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's hard. We talk a lot about mental health, but we always try to find the lesson in whatever experience we're going through. Um, and that kind of helps make the hard life blows easier. Um, and we try to do that every day. Yes. And something that you are a huge proponent of and guys, like it is not the toxic positivity thing. Like you are all about attainable positivity. And I love that you guys are like, Hey, this thing sucks. Or, you know, in the last year, since everything's aired, you've had, you've had to deal with loss, obviously a pandemic, um, so many things. And so it's not, Oh, hey, we just lost this family member. But cool. the upside, yeah. yeah, like it's very, it's very real. So, um, and in fact, actually, to jump into something, they are really great at marriage advice because the one thing you've absolutely given my marriage is uh, fighting productively and asking, like, what is the outcome here? And that piece alone has 
really helped my marriage when like, cause I think when you're getting into fights or whatever, it's easy to go off into tangents because, you know, you're never really fighting about like toothpaste on the countertop. It's usually right. it's about always about something <laughs> a little deeper. Yes. So I love that you even shared those parts. And um, one thing that's always been consistent about you is just how open you've been. You're so open with mental health and your journey and the times you screw up and screw up in front of an audience um, have you always been that open and um, that much of an open book your whole life? I don't really. I think I get it from my mom because my mom has no filter. My grandmother <laughs> had no filter, like to the point where I'm like, Grandma, you can't say stuff like that, like in public. <laughs> like you, you can't do that. So my mom is like a toned down version of that, and I'm a toned down version of that. Um, so it's always been natural to me. I get so much from talking to others, like. It's so healing to me. And I was always the person in high school that when I had a problem, you know, a lot of people or some people really um, do better when they keep it in or they think through it themselves. I don't. I was always the person where I have, you know, I had a problem with a friend or, you know, some sort of drama. And I really wanted to talk to my friends about it and talk it out because that's what feels therapeutic for me. So I kind of always have been like that. (laughs) Um, It's been a hard adjustment, um, broadening the scale of that. And and, because when you do that, when you talk openly about things that, you know, are really authentic to you, there's always going to be people that don't like you or have something Mm -hmm. nasty to say or whatever. So that part take some adjusting. It's a scary thing to be vulnerable. But what I have found is that Mm -hmm. the more you open up, and this is true with anybody, I think when you open up, even if you're so scared for the first time, you will be so pleasantly surprised by how people respond to you because it's a common bond. It's a common thread that we all have. You know what I mean? Like you said, marriage, like, you know, if that we have that in common now. So that's like a, you know, a built bridge that we had that we connected through. And it's just so cool. It, absolutely. And even common bonds, like one thing that I always feel like I've gotten really lucky with managers. I feel like most people hate their boss, but I don't know. Like I've just gotten really lucky. Not everyone's been amazing, but I think when people are like, how do you get so lucky? I think it's finding those commonalities and Mm -hmm. remembering that we're both human. And is that going to be like everybody's cup of tea? Absolutely not. Or like everyone's management style? No. But I feel like when I'm able to kind of like take that mask off for a second and show my vulnerability, it it just... I don't know. It's just like we can all just take a breath and <laughs> and look. The world is scary right now, right? The oh, yeah. world is is scary, and the truth is, none of us really know what's going on. Like none of us can predict the future, but it gives people a glimmer of hope when they see themselves in someone else. And um, you know, because then you feel a little less alone. You're like, oh wait, the world isn't spinning, and I'm just this like you know meaningless meaningless thing in the world. Like I'm connecting with another human being and we're being vulnerable together. And that's the power of human connection. And it's hard for us at our age because we've lost a lot of the human connection, you know, like we don't always Mm -hmm. know our neighbors. We don't go to, you know, I don't know. Some people go to church every Sunday. I certainly don't. (laughs) I think it's super common with like our grandparents to like be involved in stuff and know your neighbor and know, and we don't have that. So anytime you can lift the mask off, like you said, Mm -hmm. your vulnerability to another human, it's like, that's what we all want. Like, I think most people crave that human connection. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And if one thing that I think we have in common, and it must be so weird for you when people feel like they know you and you barely know them. No, I love it. I <laughs> okay. love it. I love it. That means you're listening to the show, which is like yes. the biggest compliment of all time. Well, one thing that we have in common is we jump into friendships like head, heart first. We dive in really quickly. Something I've had to learn in therapy is setting healthier boundaries and um, really looking at people's actions over their words. Because it's one thing for someone to say, oh my God, I love you, girl. But then, um, you know, none of their actions actually like reinforce that. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've gone through a season, you've talked about it on the show, um, basically just getting smarter with how you pick who is and isn't in your life. Um, How do you feel like your core values or 
friend selection has evolved over the last few years? So really, it's um, here's the thing. When I go into therapy, my goal is not to walk in there and say, these people wronged me. And I had three friendships last year that totally broke off and went away and went through friend breakups. Everybody's wronged me. What I went in saying is, hey, um, I lost three friends. The common denominator here is me. What's Mm -hmm. my role in this? And what my therapist said to me was essentially um, that I get so excited about people and I have a naturally, I want to give to other people. So if someone says, hey, will you help me with this? Or, oh my gosh, of course. Can I, you know, do you know someone that does this? Yes, I'd love to connect to you. Like I love being that person. Um, But that person gets me in trouble because what I, you know, my therapist brought to my attention, she's like, you make fast friends, but you don't do that. Like you wouldn't do that in your dating life. Like you're not also the person that meets someone and gets engaged within two weeks. Like that's not who you are. So you're not like taking the time to date people that you want to be friends with. You're jumping right into marriage and then you get really (laughs) disappointed when they don't, your values don't align or whatever. And then you get let down and you break up, you know, have friend breakups. And she's like, my suggestion to you, which I'm sure that your therapist has helped guide you through too, Mm -hmm. is to take your time. You don't have to meet someone one day and hang out with them every single weekend (laughs) right off the bat, you know, which is hard for me, especially with like friends. Um, She's like, you can get to know them and that will save you the heartache of picking friends that you don't either don't have things in common with, don't have similar values with. Um, and that stuff matters. Absolutely. And yes, my therapist and I have gone over that. And I think something I used to, I've kind of grown out of it, but I used to want to be your best friend. Like I wanted to be the best friend you ever had, always yes. there for you, gold star. And it's just it's just impossible. And I've had to realize you can't be everyone's best friend, Jasmine. Um, you, you can't. And it's a hard yourself. thing to realize because I think that's what we kind of like learn. You know what I mean? As kids, like be everybody's friend. And, you know, but I think the reality is like as we get older, you're, you know, things kind of change. Like we all work a little more. Maybe we have significant others that, yes. you know, we are prioritizing. So, the friend thing goes from my friends or my whole life, you know, there's kind of a shift at some point to like, oh, my friends, I love them. I would do anything for them. I will show up and be present. But also important is my spouse and my job. And, you know, so it kind of like, not that anyone is better than the other, but priorities shift. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what, let's, going to take that mask off. That was tough for some of my friends when I did get married. Um, I was like, the super single friend before, like the fun friend. How old were you and, when you got married? Um, 26. Okay. So young. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, well, and it's so funny because like in the South, it's, um, which I know you're in Atlanta, but um, some oh, girls South get married. 26 is like ancient. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then I, I went to friends- college. I went to a Southern Baptist um, school um Belmont in Nashville, or I don't think it's Southern Baptist anymore, but when I went there, it was. And I was like, the old maid for not getting married in college. Yes. So when I first graduated um, and I came back home, well, my parents were living in Dallas. I'm from Alpharetta, but my parents were living in Dallas. I had to move home. And I remember I took this fellowship and they were like, so how long have you been married? I'm like, I'm 22. I'm, I'm super I single. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone I, should be for a little bit because, yes. you know. I agree with that. Uh, I got it yes. out in my 20s. <laughs> Same. I was like, I don't need a bachelorette party. My nope. 20s I've were my bachelorette it. party. <laughs> yeah. College parties and after graduation was like one giant bachelorette party. Exactly. And to like switch gears just a little bit. Um, so you – have been in like talent management. You've worked in the music industry. You now um, are the right hand to a really successful news anchor. So somebody could, you know, look at your resume and be like, that girl is comfortable sitting, you know, being behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But once you met Jeff, you were kind of instantly thrusted into the public eye. 
was that a hard transition for you or um, did you have to, you know, what kind of learning curves come with being with someone in the public eye? I think it was more of a, um, it was a weird adjustment in that I always love being the behind the scenes girl. So, um, and I have so much experience with it. It's my comfort zone. So it took a little bit of an adjustment to get used to, you know, being Jeff's girlfriend and then, you know, but it's so cool because I, I remember the huge shift for me where I stopped being afraid of it and started realizing and being grateful for how cool it is because it's really cool that my husband has done something so worthwhile with his life that he is connected with tens of thousands of people over the course of his career. Like that's awesome. And that is a huge compliment to him. And like, why would I not be honored to be embraced by the people that love him and the people that he loves. And to be quite frankly, put a roof over his head. You know what I mean? They're not just someone listening to the radio. It's someone that is literally keeping a roof over his head. And so when we got, uh, when he left a really super solid job with a really popular morning show to start his own show. And it was a huge leap of faith that Mm -hmm. ultimately he wound up getting fired from. But my attitude was, you know, okay, we're starting from zero pretty much with listeners because we're on a competing station from what he's known and what everybody has known him on. Um, I would love to connect with the people that have have bonded with him over mm-hmm. the last 25 years. So maybe if I can put myself out there more, I can have bonds with these people. And they've gone from being Jeff's listeners to our family. And it's so cool. It's, it's really indescribable. So it's, that has, it's been really special. Absolutely. It's funny because my husband like knows your guys' voices and I'm like, like I, I say like, oh, well today on Jeff and Callie or, well, this is what Jeff and Callie do. And it's just weird because Jeff was like the snarky guy at that radio station. I was like in high school getting ready and he was the one. Girl, me too. I used to listen to him when I was in high school. He's like, please don't say that. It makes me feel really old. No, no, it's amazing. And something that I think both of you guys do is you use your platform responsibly. I know for me personally, um, because you promote, you know, charity and generosity and gratitude, it's made a huge shift in my personal life. I know that a lot of the abundance that's come with making those my core values, it was inspired by you and Jeff. And I think that probably helps because you can stand behind your message. It's being a good person. <laughs> it's You know, it's being better. It's the it's not even being a good person because sometimes like I'm a real giant jerk. Um, <laughs> like we all can be like oh, that, yeah. the, the sunshine and rainbows thing is just not reality. Um, but I think that what we've been able to like assemble through being honest. Look, Jeff and I are both negative people by nature, right? Like we don't, it's not in us to wake up and be like, wow, today's going to be a great day. Like <laughs> We're more the people that are like, oh, I have to get out of bed. I don't want to yes. move. Not about being a good person necessarily. It's about wanting to life to be better every day than the day it was than the day before. So it's like, you know, not every day is a good day. Not every you know, I'm not a good person in every <laughs> aspect of every situation. Like I wish that I were, but it's a group of people, the upside, like our podcast listeners of people who want life to be better every single day and want to do something about it. So it's a group of people, no matter where they start, where they are, because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you're doing really great and then crappy stuff happens, but it's people, groups, a group of people taking one step, then another step then another step and being surrounded by other people who are cheering you on while you take those tiny steps. Absolutely. And in fact, guys, um, so this, we just started doing this in our marriage and again, inspired by you and Jeff. But I think with COVID, every day was starting to feel like Groundhog's Day to be mm-hmm. really vulnerable. Me and Jordan, I think we were just taking both like each other for granted a little bit or you know, you see each other literally 24-7. Right. Um, yeah. So I was like, 
I got to turn this around. This isn't who we are. So I bought two like jars and I have a notepad. And every morning we say what we're grateful for in that partner. And then before bed, we write something that we're grateful that they did. Like, hey, thank you so much for mounting the mirrors today um, so that we didn't have to hire a handyman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was inspired by you guys. And it We've been doing it for about two weeks now, and it really shifts your perspective, and I think it's bringing us a lot closer. Um, And the reason I share that story, not only to say thank you, but also because um, I know that's exactly, in some respects, how you and Jeff got started with gratitude. So I would love it if you could share that story with our listeners. Jeff and I um, were dating and Jeff one day kind of randomly was like, hey, would you want to like write one thing down a day that we're grateful for? He read it somewhere. We can't even remember where he read it. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't think twice about it. And at the time he had an early job and I got up later than him to go into work. So when I got up the next day, he had written what he was grateful for on a note card in the kitchen and left a stack of and blank note cards. And it was so cool mm-hmm. seeing what he was grateful for. And it doesn't have to be, you know, for us, it was just about anything. It wasn't necessarily about our marriage or us or whatever. It was like, I'm grateful for toast. I'm yes. grateful for my car. I'm grateful, like anything in your eyesight. So we started doing that. And what we started noticing is, and I, I have proof of this and I wish that I screenshotted it more, but you know, the time hops on Facebook, how it yeah. shows you like this was eight years ago. This was 10 years ago. This was, you know, whenever Mm -hmm. every single post of mine, I kid you not every single one on Facebook before we started doing gratitude has a negative undertone to it. Oh my God. It is complaining about every little thing and it is so snarky and it's funny because we started doing gratitude in 2015, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't recognize that person anymore. And it's right. weird. It's like a mental, they've been doing scientific research on it now for like a decade. Yeah. And it literally changes the chemistry in your brain when you start doing daily gratitude. It's weird. And I don't know the exact science. Mm-hmm. I know that it is based <laughs> in science. And I know that a lot of smart people study it and say, yes, this will change your brain. But we became slowly over the course of doing years of doing gratitude, we realized that when things got crappy, we weren't as negative about them. And instead of reverting to this is the worst thing ever, we started instantly without even thinking about it being like, well, at least it wasn't this. Mm -hmm. Or at -hmm. least we have access to this. Or it's so weird. No, and it's and it's powerful. It's life changing, and um, and you also talk a lot about manifestation. In fact, I don't know why this always sticks in my head. You guys were at in the old house, and I think you were just like looking out of the window, and like the dogs were in the backyard, and you're like, I manifested this image. Like the house would smell this way. This would be my vision. Um, and I got into the secret right after graduating college. I, I was, love the secret. Yes, guys, you. Is if you it- haven't watched the secret, <laughs> it is. Let's let's give the disclaimer though. Yes. In all fairness, it's very cheesy. So cheesy. It's so, so cheesy, cheesy that you're gonna be like. Callie, Jasmine, why did I let you talk me into watching this? But just just bear with us. Yes. Listen, I was going through a horrible breakup. I was like, I will turn to anything right now. And it manifestation has changed my life. Like even just having this conversation with you, um, I manifested it. And I think it always sounds very like, I don't know hippie dippy to other it's folks. It's not as hippie as it sounds. Because what not. they say in the movie is like, okay, so the movie, did you watch the DVD or did you read the book? Both. <laughs> okay. So I only, I didn't read the book, but I did yeah. watch the DVD. Jeff had me watch it with him when we were dating. I'm like, this is a little cheesy. Because it's also like some people, to me, I don't take it as literally as they have it Oh yeah, in the thing. Because people are like, I, you know, posted a picture of a sports car on my wall and now I'm driving it. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. But (laughs) the manifestation part of it is if you subconsciously in your mind know what you are working towards, the universe will lead you in that direction. So again, 
it sounds cheesy, but the when you have when you're going through your day to day life and you have an image in your head of what you want your life to be like or what you want to feel like or you know whatever you are subconsciously working towards that. So all of your choices basically are leading you to that direction because you always have it in your mind, right? Like that's exactly no you you nailed it. And I might be misquoting you, but didn't you? manifest at least aspects of the current job that you're in with CNN? Um, I, yes, I, so I didn't manifest the job per se, but I remember, this is so funny. And I am impressed that you remember that (laughs) I, um, was at a job in college. It was like an internship and it was horrible. The people were great, but the the job was like I was a PR intern, right? Mm-hmm. My boss had me cold calling mm-hmm. um, like n- news outlets to pitch them a story that wasn't a story. I'm like, what do you want me to pitch them? And they're like, tell them we have a new band. I'm like, that's not a story. And they're like, yeah, call them anyways. So I was sitting in a spreadsheet just calling people that didn't want to talk to me or I got their voicemails. It was terrible. And um, I remember sitting there thinking one day people are going to call me to get to other people. Like one day, that's what I want to be. Like I want to be the gatekeeper. I want my phone ringing off the hook and my email going crazy because I want people to want something on the other side of me. And that's what I do now. Like I am an assistant to a news anchor who is so awesome. And I didn't even realize until years later that, right. you know, it popped in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh. I remember being that college kid that said, I want to be the gatekeeper for someone. Totally forgot about it for a decade. And now that's exactly what I'm doing. Exactly. And that's the other thing. Manifestation has like no shelf life. So maybe you don't see it happening a year from now, even two years from now. But it is when you look back, you really can see how everything is working for you today. Like everything that is happening is working for a future self. So. Yes. And because you brought up your job, one of your many jobs, girl, every time you say y'all need to respect executive assistants, I am like, amen, girl, mm-hmm. reach. Because I have, I've, I've worked so many jobs, but one is I've always ended up kind of like in an, I've, so before podcasting, I did like HR and all of that, even mm-hmm. after social media. Again, I've had a thousand lives. But I've had an EA component at times, and it is so true. And if you're comfortable sharing and venting, please do. But it it would astound me how some people would treat me like trash, basically, thinking I had no power. And I'm like, do you do you realize we have like the most powerful people in the building on speed dial? Like you should make best friends with EAs and um and really just respect everyone, but please don't ever think you are better than It's an so EA. funny. I think the word assistant like throws people off like yeah. you're a, you're, you know, not smart enough or something to be yeah. the person you're assisting. But I think any successful person with an assistant will tell you that the only reason they can do what they do is because they have a great assistant or a team of assistants Mm -hmm. that gets things done. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, say about our office, like the assistants, they know everything. They know everybody. (laughs) They know how to get everything done. They rule the roost. And um, it's so funny because most of the executives where I work will flat out tell you that. They're like, yeah, I I do some stuff, but my assistant is in charge. Um, Like it's the brains behind the operation. Like it's just, so whenever you say that, I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And now you are an EA to somebody who gets up very early in the morning, which means you get up early in the morning. Yes. And I'm always just like, how is your brain working at, because guys, she gets up at like 3.30 a.m. to girl 2.30. Oh my, Yeah, my no. first alarm goes off at 2.30. Um, you have to kind of learn what your body needs. Um, mm. So Jeff worked in morning radio for 25 years. So he was so used to getting up early and he had some tips for me. And one of them is to act. So the biggest mistake that people who are trying to get up early make is that they start their day at 2, 3 in the morning and then 
they go along with everyone else's schedule. So for example, like they eat breakfast at 10 a.m., then they have lunch at noon, then they're having dinner at 7.30. Well, by the time 7.30 rolls around, like not everyone in the world woke up at, you know, 2.30. Like you're living your day assuming that your body woke up at 7 a.m. Like that's not the case. So my husband's advice to me, which was great advice, is you need to, whatever time your day starts, say it's like my alarm goes off at 2.30, act like that's 6.30 a.m. You know what I mean? And plan your day accordingly. So I eat dinner at like four. (laughs) I love it. Time that my body. So I've like shifted my whole schedule pretty much to be just three hours earlier than everybody else. So I eat lunch really early. I eat dinner really early and I go to bed really early. Really early. Yeah. I know I'm used to it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, now I just have I have to ask, you did a red carpet event last year. Um, am I allowed to say that you met your idol, Jennifer Who? Aniston? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I mean, I wouldn't call her my idol, but I am, I, I am friends obsessed. It's one of my favorite shows, and I hate the word obsessed, but truly, like, yes. I could repeat, like, every line of every season of it like every episode of every season. I love Friends. And um, I got to go for work to the premiere of The Morning Show, which is her Apple TV show that has done really well. And I was walking to the bathroom and there she was. (laughs) And my boss wanted an introduction. So I just jumped on in there and it was the best. She was so nice. I feel like she would be nice in real life. And and I know during that trip, you had to pack a red carpet emergency kit. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us just what should go in any person's, especially like a woman on the go, what should go in our emergency kits? Oh my gosh. If there, (laughs) and most, okay. The reason that I know what goes in this is because it's been like four and a half years of me troubleshooting different things. Like I have super glue in there because one time my boss's boss was at an event and her high heel broke and it, oh and God. I had to super glue it together. So now there's super glue in the kit. Oh my so God, of course. <laughs> um, but the kit is like, and they have, it's a cosmetic bag from Target. It's really skinny, right? Mm-hmm. And you can stick it right in your, if you have like a big purse, you could just throw it right in there, which is why I love it. Um, and in there is like mints, pens, um, sweetener for coffee in case wherever we oh. go doesn't have like the sweetener that my boss likes. Um, sewing kit, Hollywood tape, makeup remover, um, make a deodorant, like those deodorant sponge things. Yes. Um, what else is in there? Oh, cough drops, tea, um, anything that could go wrong. You anticipate what could go wrong. And then you put a, like, a way to fix that, a remedy, in your kit. That is brilliant. I really love the sweetener one because I am picky. And so I should – I need to start doing that. But the sewing – Yeah, and then you just have it and it's there. Oh, I love that. I Are you – okay, random curveball question. Are you able to relax when you go on vacation? Is it so funny? I actually, it sounds, this show is making me sound like I'm way busier than I really am. Like you're making me sound way cooler. I'm really not very cool. And I do relax. I just have a good like system down. That's, that makes sense. I'm not on the go. And I can't be right now. I mean, right now as we're recording this, um, like I'm eight and a half months pregnant. So I really can't do. So I've, I've learned to delegate Yes, that was I remember that was like your word of the year, I think last year. And I, I remember in a performance review, my manager was like, you need to learn how to delegate because have to here's the thing. And I hate this. And most people hate hearing this. But I'll be honest with you and tell you like it is. You can't do everything. You literally cannot do everything. So you got to pick and choose you got to prioritize and you got to delegate the rest or you will go insane. Exactly. No, a thousand percent. And when you try to do everything, learn from my mistake, that's when you start making careless errors and you look stupid or you just go like you burn out and you, you know, so definitely learn to delegate, learn how to put your pride aside, ask for help. 
and establish boundaries. Like yes. there are, you know, and I do this with like my corporate job and my bosses know it because you set the standard mm-hmm. for what the boundaries are in your life and whatever that means to you. So with the people in your life, with your friends, with your boss, with your spouse, with your siblings, like you set the standard uh, of like what the boundaries are. So very early on in this job, even though I am, you know, an assistant that I'll help my boss with whatever she needs. Um, she knows that I'm going to bed at six and I'm not responding. Like yep. if the world mm-hmm. is crumbling, of course I will. But like, you know, so you kind of set that and you have to, or you'll get so caught up in things. So I think it's important to set boundaries that people know, like when you're having family time, it's family time. When you're in bed, you're in bed. And, um, you know, not every job <laughs> works on that, but fortunately, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon, so (laughs) nobody's life is in my hands. As a career coach and writer, I get a lot of the same questions from my clients and my friends, which is, how did you go out on your own, become a full-time freelancer, and how can I do it too? And while I will be the first person to preach that no two journeys are the same, I do think there are some tried and true steps in order to ensure success as you go out and become your own boss. And everything I learned, I learned from the best. It's Jennifer Fitta. But I'm not alone. There's over 100,000 other people who trust her, as well as 30 institutions. I'm talking professors, y'all, like people with doctorates. So you know that I'm in good company and in good hands. If you want to learn some tactics and strategies, or you just want to understand how the hell business works, but you don't feel like getting an MBA, which by the way, you don't need one of those to be successful, despite what some people in industries will tell you then great. Head on over to byobrevolt.com. There, it's an educational platform. There's an online community. You can even pick up her book with the same name, Be Your Own Boss. There's a shop. That's where I get my no five-year plan shirt that a lot of you guys love on Instagram. Either way, there's something for everyone. So take a little peek. And if you see something you like, I have a special offer code for y'all. 25% off site-wide. Just use the code OfficePolitics, one word. Again, whether it's a t-shirt, a book, something else, just make sure to save yourself 25%. You use the code OfficePolitics. And hey, do me a favor. When you buy your book or your shirt or you join the online community, please, please, please give me a shout out on social media. I would love to start a conversation with you, see what you're learning, see what's working for you, and keep that dialogue going. All right, guys, back to the show. Well, I want to dive into our industry rapid fire. So now you can pick you know, podcasting or an EA, a little mix of both for any of the answers to these questions. So what is the biggest misconception about your industry? That it's easy. Um, And I'm going to go with podcasting on that one. Podcasting is so much fun. You know this. It's so fun. The connections that you get to make with other people are amazing. It takes a lot of work. Um, And I still haven't my husband and I have not figured out yet how to um, run our own business exactly how we want to because we're not good at everything that comes with running a business. So it's kind of a lot of trial and error. Um, but I think with podcasting, people assume that you can buy any microphone and a yep. set of, you know, because it's easy to get a podcast, you know, on iTunes mm-hmm. or on whatever, but it takes a lot of hard work behind the scenes. Absolutely. And a lot of preparation. Um, My husband likes to say, almost like the more effortless it sounds, probably the more preparation it took on the back end. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I I definitely feel you there. And then what is your least favorite part about your industry? I don't think it's the industry. I think Mm -hmm. it's a... um, But I'm going to go with the social media stuff. The hardest part is the cancel culture and 
everybody, not yeah. everybody, but people loving to watch struggle, failure, or waiting for you to screw up. And then so you can be corrected. So you can be, yeah, that's definitely 1000% the hardest part for me. It's terrifying. Um, and and it's so tough because what you said, it's like, I think some people thrive off of digging up receipts. And it's just very sad because people evolve so much. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I hate the idea of having I don't know. I mean, I just hate cancel culture in general. Um, I think people should be allowed to make mistakes. I think we should be able to give grace. And I think people should be allowed to learn in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I, – I really do hope to see that change. I um, do. And I think that it will. I think things kind of go in waves. And I think right now, you know, a lot of people are living in fear or, um, you know, feeling sad or feeling stressed which is totally acceptable. Like we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Like none of us know how to navigate this. So it makes sense that everybody's a little more on edge right now. I hope that it it goes away. I hope that we're able to be more accepting of each other and also each other's flaws. And I hope that people are more willing to come to the table, especially in the public eye and say, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, exactly. And I learned this and here's what I learned from it. And, you know, because that gives everybody else hope that it's okay to screw up. Absolutely. And shouldn't that be like what we're teaching the next generation? Like, it's okay to make mistakes. And right. you will make a lot of them. <laughs> now, what is the best thing about your industry? The relationships. Yeah. Oh, that's sure. great. For sure. for sure. Like, not even, like, for sure. I have met <laughs> so many incredible people. Um a lot on Instagram. Jeff has made a lot of friends in podcasting and it's it's the coolest thing. I love it. And finally, what is the hiccup or failure you would never change um, about your journey or that you are the most grateful for? Oh, the biggest hiccup. Um, well, there are a lot <laughs> of mistakes. Um, I think w- – okay, so one time in college – I worked for a company and posted something online that it was like a picture of us. We were all of age, but it was like a picture of a group of us drinking, Mm -hmm. but the company logo was in the background. And Mm -hmm. it was when we were like during work hours or not work hours, but like we were paid for two weeks to go on this assignment. And it was during that and the company logo was in the background. And I was in college at the time and I put it on Facebook and the person like my boss actually wound up getting fired for that photo. And I felt so guilty. I still feel guilty about that. Oh my God. Wow. Um, But I think it was a good learning experience for me because I've told every intern I've ever had, everyone that Mm -hmm. I've ever like trained in any job, don't post anything online unless you would want to see it printed on the front page of the New York times. Because you cannot take that back, even if you delete it. And especially now with as quickly as people are screenshotting and and all of that, like you cannot take back what you put online, no matter if you think you can or not. So don't. Oh, yeah. And be careful with like the subtweets too. One time I got in trouble. um, I was like contracting somewhere. I wasn't even a full-time employee. And I'd had a hard day. And the crypt, the cryptic status was really about some friend drama I was going through. But I had just so happened to, you know, have like a disagreement with my supervisor that day. Mm-hmm. And so I think people, you know, thought it was about her. And I got called in and I was like put on probation. So it's just that I remember. I remember being like, I'm so grateful I'm learning this in my early twenties. Yeah. But yeah, like just so definitely be careful what you put online. Um, and now with that, are there any upcoming projects? Um, I know the gratitude book is coming out, but any other projects that you would love to plug right now on behalf of the upside or just you as Callie dollar? I mean, always, but not really. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, there's like 30 things that we're working on right now. Um, that are, you know, 
all really exciting. I, if you haven't listened to our show yet, please do. I think it will be such a good part of your life. And, um, we try to keep it light and fun, but, but real. And I would love for you to listen to our show. You can listen to it at, um, listen to Callie that will pull up exactly what you need to know. Like if you're accessing that from your phone, it'll take you right to the app where you should listen. Um, or callieandjeff.com. And we have a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I would love for you to like follow on Instagram at Callie Dollar, um, that kind of stuff, because then you'll know all of the stuff that we're working on and that we're doing. We have a lot of fun stuff coming out for holiday season and meaningful things. And it's just like my favorite time of year. So we're getting ready to launch like 10 things all at once. Now, before we let you go, um, whenever I bring on an influencer, I love to do fangirl corner. And we are going to do two quick little games. Um, first is like or swipe, Callie approved edition. Um, so Callie is definitely a shopper. She comes out with gift guides. So I want to get your opinion on a few things. And yes. if you like it, you like. And then if you like, don't like it, you're going to swipe. So. Okay. Pumpkin spice lattes. Never had one. What? I know. Callie. I know. I know. I'm like the worst basic girl ever. <laughs> I've been like literally never even tried one. I don't know what they taste like. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Sexy Mr. Rogers Halloween costume. Oh my God. Swipe. <laughs> Absolutely not. Athleisure out of the house. Oh, heck yeah. What is the, what am I supposed to say? Yes. Yes. Or, or like, yeah. Like, like. <laughs> Faux fur. Like. Maternity jeans. Like. The next little game we're going to do is love, marry, kill. Uh-huh. And the options are Instagram stories, Nordstrom sales, and true crime junkie. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Kill is the easiest for me. It's the Nords from Sale because they <laughs> drove me crazy this year. Um, Easy. Done. Love would be my true crime. Oh, yes. Love true crime. Um, and then Mary would be Instagram stories because that's where I feel like, you know. Most at home. We're in this. Yeah, most at home. I love it. Well, Callie, truly, I know that you are a very busy woman. I really appreciate you taking time to talk about manifestation, gratitude, and really just creating an authentic life. Um, guys, again, please go check out Callie, Callie Dollar on Instagram, and she and her husband's podcast, The Upside with Jeff and Callie. I listen to it every morning. Um, it's like 30 minutes. It's just such a thoughtful, positive way to start your day. And with that, I will. Talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much for having me. 